When am I going to be initiated? As soon as number one gets here. Number one? <laughs> what kind of stupid wiener name is that? <laughs> Hello, my name is number one. <laughs> and so forth. Let's go. They get it into the hands of Valus Jones. And Jones keeps going all the way to the end zone. Oh, wow. He never stepped out of bounds. So Valus Jones with a Bears touchdown. The fake to Herbert. Now Peterman finds his tight end, Komet. Oh, he gets in. Takes it in for a Bears touchdown. Kept his balance. Crossed the plate of the goal line. Nice effort. Courtesy of Fox Sports. You can't yell at us this time because this is a sports cubicle here in the basement of the basement of WCPTA 20 in Chicago. I did it backwards, Paul. You did it what? Yeah. But the boss is going to be mad at us, but we're working overtime. Forgot and... overtime. They don't want to pay us overtime. But, you know, it, it, it sucks. We don't want it. They don't want to pay us overtime. But, Paul, it's, it's a glorious Sunday. You know why? Why? Because the Bears and the Raiders are finally done playing football. Yeah. Finally be happy until when does spring training start? Uh, February something. We got maybe a month of happiness. Let's about take it. Five to six weeks. Let's just take it. Let's bask in it. Let's focus on the Bears. Got the number one draft pick. That's something. Uh, The reward for sucking. Yeah, and they'll probably trade down as everyone's guess, but we'll see. I mean, either way, they could pick whoever they want in the first pick or trade. So I'm going to trade Josh Fields. Watch, let's pull pull, pull a total Bears move. Do you know when the last time the Bears drafted number one? 1964? Earlier. 54. Earlier. 46. Close, one year later. 47. And the guy they drafted... Only played 10 games for them, and they knew he was injured when they drafted him. Typical Bears move. Yeah, so I guess misfiring on draft picks has been on brand. Well, let's just see. Let's just hope that uh, Cade McNown, Rex Grossman, and Mitch Trubisky don't have any relatives playing college ball. Yeah, but uh, anyway, Mercado is going to talk about of those course. draft picks with Marver. Let's get into that. So, Mercado, take it away. He may have been fired after winning 10 games. He might be the only other coach to ever take the Chicago Bears to a Super Bowl. He coached a local university, maybe not so well, but so many ties. And with one final gift to the city of Chicago, Lovey Smith, and his Houston Texans beat the Indianapolis Colts in a major comeback. And now the Chicago Bears, the beloved Bears, are the owners, the occupants of this year's number one draft pick in this year's NFL draft. And we are going to be breaking it down for the next four months. Thank you, football gods, for all the content we are going to have here on the Sports Cubicle. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver. I'm Mike Mercado, of course, Paul Shavari, and Devin Tingle throughout the entire show. And what a way to start the new year. What a way to get one final holiday present. Marvelous. 
This is one of the rare times. I think this is only the second time in, since 1947 that the Bears have gotten, have won, have received the number one draft pick in the NFL draft. And so many different ways they could go with it. We're going to get to that, and we're going to have months of talking about that. But your emotional roller coaster that we all went through watching this game against Minnesota and that crazy finish between the Texans and the Colts. How did you handle week 18 of the NFL? Um, well, it put me to sleep at one point, but I will be honest. Um, I think that Houston was going to pick a quarterback either way, and the Bears weren't going to. So not, actually, probably not too much has changed. And also the uh, the pessimist among us will say, how can they screw this up too? <laughs> it's fair. Yeah, I think so, it's I mean, very fair. Among recent history, Trevor Lawrence may be excluded. Trying to think of a number one pick that's been outstanding. So, you know, hopefully they will take this opportunity to get the wide receiver or the lineman or the defensive back that they need. But one player is not going to fix this uh, horrible 10-game losing streak team break. You know, (laughs) and I, I know a lot of the games were close. But it's still pretty ugly to have a uh, franchise-setting 14th loss, and uh, it's just uh, three and 14 is is not acceptable. <laughs> so that's all I can tell you. But on the on the positive side, during the season, they developed the fact that the that Fields is going to be their quarterback for the for the long term, and and that's wonderful. And it's, it was pretty exciting. The you know, the playoffs are all set. You know, the NFC tonight as we're speaking as the Packers and the Lions bailing for the final spot. But yeah. And because of that unfortunate incident in Cincinnati last Monday, things are a little bit crazy in the American football conference, but they did, did set it, set it up. It's all set. I mean, the, there's no question what's going to happen. The chiefs ended up getting the buy, you know, and the bills have to play the dolphins, the Bengals have to play the Ravens and the Jags play the chargers. And it's funny, Jaguars, much like the Tampa Bay, will have a home game, even though they'll have like the worst record of any team in the playoffs. But that aside, I, I you know, the game itself, we knew it was going to be a difficult game with Peterman and his tremendous backup Boyle uh, <laughs> for the Bears today. And Minnesota, you know, is 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 still in play as we speak for the number two seed, pending the outcome of 49ers and Cardinals. So. Um, they had something to play for, but uh, you know, it was it was it was t- tough to watch the last part of the season. I'll tell you that, and uh, uh, hopefully there are better things ahead. We have Fields, and the surrounding cast has to be improved. No question about it. I think there is. It's very fair to be upset with the record, with the frustration of this season, but I think this is one of those rare instances where the crawling through the mud ended with a prize and it's the prize of in the NFL, in, in, in sports, the most coveted thing is draft picks in all of the major professional sports. They all covet the draft picks, but in the end and NFL in particular, those things are as good as gold. They, they're, they are the Willy Wonka golden ticket. Now 
This is where it gets interesting. You brought up the points of Houston wanting a quarterback no matter what, and at number two, still having the best opportunity for that to happen. Here's where it becomes if you're trying to be now optimistic about (laughs) the Bears in that particular position is they're in control of their own destiny. If let's say the... Uh, I don't know, for example, the, the Carolina Panthers or any one of these teams that is looking at for a quarterback. And for example, we can actually jump to take a thon. And we see right now the only two teams who are guaranteed their draft picks are the Texans and the Bears. The Bears at one, Houston at two. But Seattle, via the pick for, uh, from Denver due to that rush trade, will be at three or at least wherever Denver ends up. You have Arizona, Indianapolis. Detroit via the Rams, Las Vegas, Atlanta, Carolina, and Philadelphia top 10, Tennessee there at 11. So you're looking at this, and if you're the Bears, let's say Seattle really likes Bryce Young, but so does Houston. And we know that these rumors get out there because information is money, and money means more draft picks. Then all of a sudden, you're right there, and you can decide what you do. Because I think in the perfect scenario for the Bears – you move down, you get draft picks, and somehow you end up with Will Anderson. I think if you're the Chicago Bears, if you find a way to get one of, if not the most coveted young athlete, young defensive player, a guy that can change the outcome of a game single-handedly, which they haven't had since Brian Erlacher, since Khalil Mack in that first year of that, of that trade, Will Anderson is that. If you could find a way to maybe even end up with Jalen Carter, those are big names. When you're looking at Will Levis being there, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, somebody is going to get nervous, whether it is Houston, whether it is Indianapolis. It's your job as Ryan Poles to get the best out of that. And if you end up with a first next year in the and with a fifth pick this year or something and that pick is will anderson or somebody of that nature you have now solidified two positions your quarterback and the guy that goes after the quarterback and before that even happens this team gets to spend their money they're not going to spend all of it but marvelous let's touch that for a second it's exciting that they end up with the number one overall pick first time in a long time that this has happened and we know how exciting it is that the draft is now starting because nobody knows exactly what the bears are going to do. If you're at this point right now, looking at the free agency market, not a lot of wide receivers. That's why they go and get chase Claypool. Do they go out there and try to get a established left tackle? That's where you start building the offensive line, go find another Supreme linebacker. And then all of a sudden you're looking at this is in a long time. This seems, if done correctly, they could put themselves in a good position. Right. Well, the Bears last had the number one draft pick in 1947, and I still would contend that it doesn't change Houston's position much. Bryce uh, Bryce Young probably will go from Alabama to them. But how about this? Maybe we can uh, solidify more than one position by trading the pick, getting somebody that can go after the quarterback, getting – a wide receiver, some kind of package, and we could still get a pretty decent draft pick in the first round by trading with a team to get some established players because 
as much as we would like to think that the young player will turn the whole franchise around, I think we need multiple <laughs> players to turn the franchise around. And so that might be the best way to go is to trade it. That is why you are the marvelous, the magnificent <laughs> Dan Marver, because it starts bringing in the conversation about the one and only Devontae Adams, a mm-hmm. nemesis of Chicago, a potential Hall of Famer as this already, already dominant season on a bad team with a quarterback who he wanted to play with his guy who's no longer there. So a <laughs> franchise that's going to be looking for a quarterback. Would you trade the number one pick for Devontae Adams and their pick? Would you swap picks and Adams for the number one? I think it's a no-brainer. If mm-hmm. you look, let's just say, for example, the Raiders end up with the seventh or eighth pick, right? So the Bears will end up with Devontae Adams and the eighth pick and maybe an unprotected pick for next year. You have to jump on that because, yeah, you you may not get – the Carter or Andersons of the world, but you're still looking at something possibly again, maybe even moving down even more. And you still are looking at like maybe a Quentin Johnson. Maybe you still are looking for a, maybe a Tyree Wilson, you know, like there is something out there for you to head in the right direction. But I I think you and I are in agreement. Again, this is Uh only January 8th. They're not keeping that pick. They're not drafting Will Anderson at number one. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I would agree with that. I would I would think that um, that would make sense. Plus, they have plenty of uh, money within the salary cap to go free agency in addition to that. So uh, that's another way that they can improve the team uh, next year. So um, <laughs> I guess the only good news is that by finishing in last place, they won't have as uh, the most difficult schedule, I mean, next year. But uh, that still it will be difficult enough because uh, you, you still have to play some top-notch teams from the other divisions. But it just it just is so disappointing because we had so much hope for them, and I think that perhaps Devin was the only one that had him with his little three wins. <laughs> Congratulations! Isn't <laughs> and, that crazy? Uh, you bring yeah. that up. I'm so glad you brought that up. That yeah. you and I throughout the entire season were like. This team is as good as this. This team is as good as that. But we mentioned the frustration, and I think the reason maybe I'm not as frustrated as you is not only because they ended up with the number one pick, but this front office told you what they were going to do. When they Mm -hmm. traded Roquan Smith, when they traded Robert Quinn, when they traded Khalil Mack, when they're bringing and playing certain dudes, and it it just – it seemed to me like this – it seemed to me that this was best case scenario for Ryan Post, what he wanted. Maybe this wasn't. And I do think if you're getting, you're looking for the optimist, if you're looking for the, uh, you know, the good side, the, the brighter side of things, it was entertaining at points. Justin Fields had arrived. And I think this is my thing on Justin Fields. We, we have to talk about it, even though he didn't play. I think the big, big thing for me for Fields is you saw it. It, 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 this is just my opinion. I could be wrong. We want to know from you on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. I think Justin Fields played well enough for us to see the front office give him the right tools and better weaponry and a overall better team to try to go for it next year. I don't think that Justin Fields played himself into a $200 million contract. I don't think Justin Fields played himself to Cannon, Ohio, but I think he proved himself to be a starting quarterback in the NFL and has shown that he can grow, 
that he can also take criticism. And on top of it, there is enough to see that he can make adjustments, that he can hit new levels. And to me, I think that's the most exciting thing (laughs) is that we've seen what the base is and it continues to grow and it continues to grow. And he's the kind of kid that's able to mature and he is able to develop. I don't know. It may not lead to anything, (laughs) but that is the, that is the benefit you have of not being patient. That is now the ACE in your card, your deck of cards. Mm -hmm. And now you have, two Kings and two Queens with this number one (laughs) overall draft pick. But I'm with you. I do think there is some fresh frustration to it, but if Mm -hmm. you're looking at some of the top free agents right now, marvelous. And we have a few minutes left here as we celebrate in a weird way, the Chicago bears ending up with the number one overall draft pick, but Orlando Brown at the age of 27 is a free agent from Kansas City, an offensive tackle, might be the only way the Bears go when it looks like top-tier names. Other than that, it's guys like Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady and Saquon Barkley and Geno Smith, Jeremy Garoppolo, Jacoby Myers, guys the Bears don't need. So I think they are going to attack some offensive line during the offseason. But, I mean, I think this all now comes down to what can you get come April 27th of 2023? Right. Thrashing Kansas City this year, and Paulie will be happy because the Raiders are coming to town next year. Did you know that? There you go. We do, we do we do play the AFC West and the Broncos, the other one that come in, and then we got the NFC South with Carolina, Atlanta, the ones that are coming in. So when I was talking about the schedule, then they'll you know they'll play the other fourth place teams. But it's um, I, I think that you're on the right track. Some definitely a, a lot. They need help on. And both the offensive, the defensive line. I mean, I can't, I can't stop anywhere. Linebackers, defensive backs, receivers, almost everything. So I, I think that the free agency and and a, and a trade is the way to go, rather than getting the the one number one pick. So I'm in agreement with some of the names you you you've raised. Um, I haven't studied the whole free agency um, the, the pool, but uh, we'll we'll do that. We have plenty of time till April. Uh, to see what what they want to do with the draft, but uh, it is quite an accomplishment for the first time <laughs> since nineteen, I think it's forty six or forty seven to get the number one pick, and that, and at that point there were what only what <laughs> twelve teams or less. So uh, it, uh, the math is even better that we got the number one with all thirty two teams. <laughs> they 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 could have been six more wins out of that easily. And I, you know, from what, from where I'm sitting, but they're not that far off, but yet they look far off based upon the record. <laughs> we'll take it. If that's the case, if they're a team that's closer than they should be and end up with a number one pick, that is why I believe I'm going <laughs> to give you two scenarios. The Chicago okay. bears will not stay at number one. They will mm-hmm. either trade the number one pick to the Indianapolis Colts for, <laughs> for their first round pick. Michael Pittman and a few other draft picks or in the dream scenario, the Chicago bears trade the number one pick to the Houston Texans for the (laughs) second pick and pick number 12 in the first round of this year's draft, along with some contemporary and protected picks along the way. That is the way the (laughs) Chicago bears really make an impact because then they will trade the number two pick, and or the number 12 pick for more picks, and it will be a glorious 
first round for all of Chicago and Chicago fandom. With that, we want to know your thoughts. Somehow, someway, the Chicago Bears end up (laughs) with the number one draft pick and going into it, they have their QB1. We want to know your thoughts. We're on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. For the marvelous one, Dan Marver. For Devin Tingle. For Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. Oh, the fun is really <laughs> about to begin. It is nice to get to some form of normalcy here at week 18 in the NFL, getting ready for one of the most exciting times in sports, the wild card and divisional rounds coming right around the corner. We've got to talk about coin flips. We got to talk about playoff matchups, but there is no way that we could talk about anything football related without talking about the horrifying, the scary, the shocking, the world-stopping, sports world-stopping, news-making incident that happened with Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, on Monday Night Football as he suffered a cardiac arrest on the field after taking a hit from a wonderful receiver from Cincinnati who hopefully T. Higgins himself is going to be able to mentally recover from this. And as we are recording this here on the Sports Cubicle with the Marvelous One, Dan Marver, throughout this show, of course, Paul Shabari and Devin Tingle, two of the best in the business. I'm Mike Mercado and... It is wonderful to be able to talk about such a shocking, scary, horrible story. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel. DeMar's health coming back and the awesome work done by the medical staff in Cincinnati, the doctors and the teams and the respect. But we needed to go around the the cubicle and talk about this. And, you know, Paulie, you were one of the the people who's always talked about something like this happening. This has happened before where a, a player has died on the field, the Chicago connection and this entire situation from the GoFundMe of his toy drive to where we're at now. I mean, how did you, I, I was watching it live myself, just like millions were. What did you think when you heard about this? How did you hear about it? And how do you feel now that we've made it all the way to week 18? And he is watching the game, sending out tweets, talking to his brothers, his teammates via Zoom in the hospital with his mom and dad. Well, I normally don't get up for a Monday night football game, you know, unless it's like Bears or Raiders playing. But this was such a unique matchup that I was excited about it. You know, couple that with uh, where it was in the season with the playoff implications, the fantasy football playoff implications, uh, Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. It was an exciting game uh, leading up to it. Everyone was really hyped up about it. I think it tied the record for most wins between the two teams facing on on Monday Night Football. So I was pulling into my driveway when I, you know, later it was, you know, the game had already started. You know, I knew I was going to kind of settle in, you know, before I ended up watching it. But I get a text from my dad who I just saw, you know, an hour earlier. And he said, they're giving CPR to a Buffalo Bills player and it's been going on for 10 minutes. And, And when you hear something like that, you know, it's it's bad news. It's it's very bad news. You know, when someone needs CPR for that long, you you fear the worst. And you know, and then then I had to just double check. You know, I checked the score. You know, just to see, okay, it's in a delay. And then you know, kind of got in the house, settled in really quickly, and flipped. You know, just wanted to flip on the TV 
um, just to see what was going on. And at that, that point, it was still in a suspended game. But, you know, of course, at, the, at this point, it's, you know, there's no way they're restarting. And then, of course, uh, Skip Bayless had to break Twitter with his insensitivity. You know, so it was just everything unfolded. And then at that point, I saw uh, one doctor that I follow on YouTube that kind of studies sports injuries was saying that this looks like it could be commotio cordis. So, of course, I'm researching that. And essentially what that is, is if you hit the heart just right, like a, a blow to the chest just right in between beats, you can stop the heart. And and I think we talked about this, Mike, and you were telling me that, you know, the uh, this happens in youth sports all the time. You know, and I and I didn't realize that, but it's like, yeah, I could see that, you know, on the, on the professional level, you barely see this because, you know, whatever they have, the, the protection, it's a one in a million really, th- you know, I don't know what the exact probability, but it's so rare that this happens. Uh, but of course, we live in the day and age, too, where people were quickly trying to politicize it, trying to tie it to the vaccine. And then there's really no correlation between uh, commotio cordis and the vaccine. Uh, th- this would be the first case of it if that if that truly was what was happening. Um, and, and I haven't seen anything that links commotio cordis to myocarditis. Now, granted, I keep talking about commotio cordis like that's the diagnosis and we haven't heard a diagnosis yet. But this just seems to me what the most likely scenario was because it was just it, I. I, I never saw it live, but I had to go back and see how this unfolded. And it's scary seeing this guy get up on his own two feet and then just fall, just fell dead to the ground. And, and thank goodness that there was staff there that could rescue him. And it's amazing that here we are one week later and before the Bills game today, you know, it's a picture of him making the heart sign. And, you know, he he's, you know, uh, conscious and aware and, you know, it's just it's it's such a miracle that that he was just brought back to life like this. And, and then I heard the opening kickoff was returned today by the Buffalo Bills right after they see this image in the stadium of DeMar Hamlin, you know, less than a week after, you know, this this tragedy happened to him. So it it was just so it's like you were saying at the beginning that there's this light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I, I don't want to call it a happy ending yet because I think there's still a long road to go until the happy ending but gosh this is trending in such a great direction that it's um you know it was scary to watch it on monday night like i i was really uh shaken up and i didn't even see it you know to see that many football players upset you know to see scott van pelt trying to hold it together doing the post game or you know whatever you would call that the coverage um but and eventually i'm sure we'll get to it the nfl's reaction to it in the in the the instance um which, you know, I'll let everyone kind of say their piece, but we have to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's disgusting, and we'll get to that in a second. And I think really fast, just to put a note on there, the thing you see in youth sports, especially is in baseball, softball, line drives back to the pitcher, the hot corner, where it's going right at these players. And unlike professional baseball players, the reflexes quite aren't there. And you also mentioned Skip Bayless. Don't want to forget to make sure we throw some shade to Bart Scott for blaming T. Higgins about that when we know that was just a clean play in the sport that's so dangerous. And speaking of the NFL's reaction, we also need to talk about our consciousness, our hypocrisy as diehard sportsmen loving this game what we see every week, 
where it takes something like this opposed to the thousands of injuries. We see the thousands of concussions, but Devin, you love this sport. You love the Chicago bears. You root for other teams. You're, you have vested interest, this effective fantasy football. But when we saw DeMar Hamlin out there on the field, the, the sports world stopped. It, it entered into the mainstream. Where were you? How do you feel about this entire situation and where we're at now in week 18, how this story has kind of just unfolded? Well, I was at work, and we have a room with two TVs, so of course, you know, I got wrestling on one, Monday Night Football on the other, multitasking, because, shut up, Paul, I see you laughing at me, just as we do here, but I remember just, you know, I'd like to go on Twitter, and I remember just, you know, on Twitter I saw, you know, DeMar was trending, CPR for nine minutes was trending, Buffalo Bills was trending, Monday Night Football is trending, T. Higgins trending, like, Okay, let's like I, I'm like let's turn the sound on Monday Night Football, and it's like I'm just they, even like the commentators had no idea really what was going on here, except you know I I hate to say I had to go to you know eat Twitter to find out the news and see the clip, and it's like it's very strange. He gets hit, gets right up, and just falls right back down. It's like it's a scary sight to see here, and again, you know. I I know we're gonna say this here, we're gonna save this, but I want to tear the NFL a new one. You guys got ten minutes. Ten minutes. I think it was five, actually. It was five? worse. It was five minutes. Five At minutes. least that's what the reporting is. Yeah. Five minutes. And it took both coaches being like, you know, we will forfeit this game rather than have our team go back out there here. And that's just the now, Devin. One. Now, Devin, I do just I, I want you to continue on. But I we just so that we cover all the bases. Maybe the only devil's advocate is they weren't sure how serious it was. So the initial maybe prompt the initial delivery, the initial uh, cold red is, hey, let's at least take five minutes and see what's going on. But you're 100% correct to see how Buffalo and uh, specifically Zach Taylor and the Bengals helped out Buffalo. Continue on your thought, please. And I just want to get into that, especially because this isn't like your typical injury, you know, where it's like, okay, the guy's got some back spasms, you know, they weren't carted off. This guy was unconscious when you took him off the damn fields here. That to me should definitely be like, let's, I agree with you, Mercado. Yeah, they should have waited to see what was all right. But here, it's like, at that point, it's like, you know what? Maybe we should just, this, this game doesn't need to happen right now. There are more serious issues here. A man's friggin' life. And it really goes, once again, the NFL likes to always like, NFL cares. No, the NFL doesn't give two you-know-whats. The NFL likes to sell money and put a hashtag end racism or hashtag stop domestic violence. They don't give two you-know-whats about their own players unless they're your Tom Brady's. You're Aaron Rodgers, you're Josh Allen's, the guys that sell the most jerseys here, and that really showed here, because if this happened to a big star player, oh, I guarantee they would have called within two minutes. Well, we should talk Paul, about, too, about yeah, Paul, how... Paul, really fast, okay. uh, you're too, uh, let's, let, as we kind of have a few minutes for this segment, this is something that we're going to have to dissect more over the next few weeks, but I, I really want you to because this is something that you've had your eye on and thoughts on kind of in, in a, a around the horn, two minutes, your reaction to the NFL and what you think that they should have done and kind of what precedence is itself for the future of the NFL and its, and its optics. Well, well, you were kind of saying that like the protocol I think was in, in a standard thing. If, if he was, you know, taken care of right away, it's you have five minutes to warm up, you know, do what you got to do to get back on the field. But but I think it was either Joe Buck was reporting something that he shouldn't have reported or the NFL is trying to cover it up because the very next day 
some uh, spokesperson for the NFL was trying to deny that that was even a situation. Like, no, no, we never, I don't know where this five minutes thing came from. I heard ESPN talking about it the entire time. Scott Van Pelt, uh, Joe Buck, and even then they were trying to, you know, analyze that. You know, why would they say five minutes? These guys were clearly, and they even, I would think that ESPN being a network that has to carry water for the NFL because of their contract wouldn't be trying to bury the NFL in the instance and 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 they were they were doing that essentially and 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 we don't know I mean you know we don't know what actually happened but it did seem like the way it was being reported that as soon as the NFL told the coaches you have five minutes it was Zach Taylor walking up to Sean McDermott across the field and saying like hey we can't continue we're not going to and I'm glad the players stepped up and the players union stepped up and said no, we're not doing this. I am so happy. I, I don't even know if happy is word. I'm relieved that as we were prepping for this this recording for for this session of the sports cubicle, that it was going to have a tragic ending. That the tragic ending was going to come Monday night, and the reason that they were just holding off is because they were waiting to pronounce him off of the field. And now we're at the total end of that spectrum where. He's got his brain function. He's breathing. He's with his parents. He's talking to his teammates. The recovery is going to be long. And I think if the if if that's the outcome, if the payment for this is it's a long recovery, I think the NFL dodged a bullet. And I think a young man, uh, what seems to be a really, really good young dude, gets a second chance. And in the miracles of miracles – especially how this all played out. Maybe one day gets to put some cleats on, puts a helmet on. And if he wants to, could go live out his dream. Cause that Monday night, that's what he was doing. It's living out his dream. And I'm going to leave this uh, as a question for everybody here on the sports cubicle on WCPT Mercado airwaves network on YouTube, SoundCloud at WCPT 820 with Paul Shabari, Devin Tingle, and the marvelous one, Dan Marver, uh, Mike Mercado. Where are you with your consciousness? Are you a hypocrite? Can you separate what you watch every Monday, Sunday, and Thursday, and now on Saturdays? How are you going to handle this? How did you handle this? Because it's not, does it take a cardiac arrest and a 24-year-old prime athlete in the middle of, of what should be a nice career where they are now honoring his contract? We just found that out. The Buffalo Bills, the Players Association, the Mark came up with that. How do you handle that, though, when how many offensive linemen in this Bears game alone are out because of concussions, broken bones, torn ligaments, and muscles? Where is the line? I watch it, and I know it. My guys here watch it, and they know it. But it's that's the conversation I think we have to have over the next 50 years that we will be having if the sport exists in the next 50 years. I'm proud of all of us to be able to be here and, and try to break down this conversation as much as possible. And more importantly, I'm proud of Paulie for bringing up the dumb anti-vaxxers who think this is how that happened. But on that note, enjoy the rest of the program. Shout out to DeMar Hamlin, the city of Cincinnati, the Buffalo Bills, the Bengals, and that entire stadium that showed some respect. For Devin Tingle, the best producer, board opper, and best co-host in the Chicagoland area, for Paul Shivari, the best in the business, make sure you guys stay tuned to Baseball Weekend Journal. Eight things are heating up. The marvelous one, Dan Marver. I'm Mike Mercado. We got a lot more here on WCPT, 820 AM. It's the Sports Cubicle.
Playoffs? Well, football season may be over for the Bears and the Raiders, Paul, but for a good, uh, what, 16, 14 other teams? Is math? Yeah, how many, how many do they allow in now? They were talking about doing 16, it was 14 teams, used to be 12. I, I lost count. Their season still exists, though. I mean, I think there's something definitely nice to kind of talk about here. It's like we didn't really, ex- well, maybe you expected the Raiders to make the playoffs in the beginning of the season. I wanted the Bears to go 1-17, but that's a different story here. But now we're definitely getting into this where it's like, this is it. There's only one game left that will really determine who gets that last spot in the playoffs here. And it's going to be very interesting to see what we got here. But just right now, it's you know, yeah, your typical teams, you know, your Chiefs, your uh, your Bills, but then you go down, you're ba- you go down a little bit. You see the Jaguars, the Vikings, and the Giants teams that I'm like I can't even tell you. La- and the Dolphins seems like cannot tell you the last time I remember them being in the playoffs. Paul, this was a weird year in the NFL. Well, if you remember, the Jaguars were like one game away from the Super Bowl yeah, like no, five refs, years ago. Yeah, yeah. The refs cheat them out and so that Tom Brady could get back in. Uh, the Giants. It's, it had to have been a couple of years since they've gotten in. I, I, you know, maybe like 2018, 2017. They probably still had Eli as quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, It's it, this was a weird year in the NFL, just kind of looking at the teams that you expected to be good, like the Titans, only to have the Jaguars ended up winning that division. I, you know, other than that, some of it's typical. I guess I didn't really see the Vikings doing as well as they did, but they're not a surprise to me that they, they qualified. Um, you know, Cowboys, I thought were going to be good. Buccaneers. The Buccaneers who have a 500 average going into the playoffs? Yeah, well, that's the, the trashy NFC South. That's that's what that is. So used to be in other divisions in the <laughs> NFC, but, you know, just it's Tom Brady. There's always going to be a way for him in there. I, I don't know. When you look at this, though, what usually when a playoff, you know, playoffs start, you know, especially now that it's been expanded like this, you know, you know the teams that are kind of going to be out pretty quickly and teams that are contenders. Who stands out to you right now as contenders? Uh, right now, the one I'm like, how I got to say this, how do you not root for the Bills at this point? Absolutely, they might they might pick at the beginning of the season, and this might very well be well be the sort of thing that really turns this. I don't want to say turn this team around, but it's like really let's drive it home for De, let's win it all for Demar. You know, well, I think we talked about this. Who is your Super Bowl prediction on our on our preview show? I said Bills versus Rams, and I picked the Rams. I want to change my pick to the Bills. Can we allow that? I don't. <laughs> I think we're gonna have to do this again with all the guys, kind of uh, once everything's settled, who we think's gonna win. And unfortunately, by the time that we record the next show, most of the games will be over in we'll, the first we'll round. Do, we'll, we'll just we'll do this on like a championship yeah. weekend. Yeah, we'll do it on championship weekend, just to at least have our picks out yeah. there. And of course, if you want to tell us your picks for who's gonna win in the playoffs, tweet us at Sports Cubicle TV. I'm still sticking with my pick about the Bills. You know, I was worried. After the Hamlin injury, that that might have shaken them up, but they performed well today against the Patriots. I think you know the, the Bills, while they won't get that buy into the first round, uh, or past the first round, they at least have the advantage of playing more than likely the worst you know available team. It looks like the Patriots again that they're uh, they're they're going to be getting. Um, you know that I think that remains to be seen though for the uh, the playoff scenario. Uh, based on how these afternoon games finish off. I, I still like the Bills and the AFC, but I think, you know, you can't go, you, you can't 
say that the Chiefs are, are going to be out easily, the way the Bengals have been playing lately, I think it's going to be one of those three teams coming out of the AFC. As far as the NFC, though, I think it's a roll of the dice. You know, you could look at, you know, the Eagles have proven that they've been the best team in the NFC all season. But have been slowly showing their cracks, especially towards the end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the Vikings could be a surprise. You know, Mercado was telling us uh, about a month ago, don't sleep on Tom Brady. You know, and how crazy would that be if an 8-18 and 18, or, well, an 8-9 and nine team or 9-8 and eight team makes it into the Super Bowl? Like, that, that would just be just kind of awkward to me th- that a team that's basically 500 is, you know, good enough to make it into the championship game. I mean, we've seen this happen before with the Giants back in, I believe, 2008? Oh, when they beat the Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots. They were yep. like, I think, believe a 500 team. And it's like, this just really proves in the playoffs anything can happen. It's cliche as it is to say there. But definitely much, it's just kind of really is showing, as I've been saying, Kirk Cousins is a lot better quarterback than people like to think he is. And he definitely led this team here in a really crappy NFC North. Especially this year where the the Packers might not be in for the first time in uh, God knows what, which would be hysterical. Just make me so dang happy here. And of course, you know, we got the Cowboys. This team is looking to redeem themselves from a terrible, embarrassing playoff loss last year. Yeah, they're still the Cowboys, though. I, I actually had in my uh, playoff scenario, I think I had Bills Packers for my Super Bowl, and I had the Packers beating the Cowboys in the NFC Championship I game. I called you an idiot. But all season, I felt dumb. But now it's like, well, that, that might happen. I, I don't know if, if it actually works out with the playoff picture, but. Don't sleep on the Cowboys. I, I think they're they're a team that could sneak in there and get in there. Um, I'd have to see how the matchups all end up. Of course, we're waiting. You know, as you're listening to this to, uh, right now on the radio, we're waiting the results of the Packers Lions game. If the Packers win, they qualify. But I think if the Lions win, then it's you know we need to find out what happens to Seattle, um, who are more than likely beating the Rams as we're recording this. Um, no, they're not. They're losing right now to the Rams, but they do have the ball late in the game as they're recording this. Lions are going back. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Honestly, like I that's a team that has been fun to watch in the later half of the year. I like their coach, Dan Campbell's enthusiasm. I, I really would love to see them win, you know, not win the NFC North because that's the Vikings, but but get back to the playoffs for the first time since what, like 2016 or something like Sounds that. Sounds right. And then even then, I think they only have like two playoff appearances since 1991. So it'd be nice to see them redeem themselves and, and get back in there. And who knows? And like like I'm saying, with the NF, NFC playoff picture, it's anyone's guess who's going to win. You know, like we were saying, you know, the Tom Brady's, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, don't sleep on San Francisco, don't sleep on the Cowboys. But it could be a total surprise who makes it on that end. Whereas on the AFC side, it feels like it's it's if it's not Bengals, Bills, or Chiefs, I'll be shocked. Jaguars turn it around, baby. Yeah, because that's what we want this year is that that sweet uh, Jaguars versus Lions Super Bowl that everyone was craving. I mean, I think I might actually rather see a real Jaguar versus a real Lion. I'm just saying that'd be a lot cooler. At the same time, that could be interesting, though. You know, for like two teams that nobody expected versus like the uneven matchup of like Lions going up against like Kansas City. 
<laughs> Here's my thing, though, going back to Jaguars-Lions, do you think that, that would dramatically affect the Super Bowl ratings or just slightly affect the Super Bowl ratings? Because people watch that every year. Like, in mass numbers. I think because those are smaller markets, it could drastically shift it. But I think you're right in the sense that people will watch it no matter what. So it's going to be, yeah, it'll be the most watched sporting event of 2023. But compared to other Super Bowls, I would expect the the ratings to drop. That's why I had a feeling there's, and that's you know again why they you know the teams like the Chiefs with your Pat or more I should say your Patrick Mahomes, your Josh Allen's, and your Tom Brady's, and then your Cowboys. Because I don't really a Dak is the face, but you know he doesn't have the mainstream media attention that he's got there. Definitely want to equal the ratings here, and I know you can't really fix a football game as well as you would think. I think you could fix a football game. Uh, you mean like the refs fixing the football game, or do you mean like you know getting your tools out and fixing a football game? What are okay, you talking about? Okay, calm yourself down, there, Mister Boomer conspiracy theory here. Let's get back to the real issue of the have, action. Have you watched an NFL game? I think they fix them all the time. Yeah, the refs are very sneaky, as we've learned. The the, uh, the pick six yesterday in that uh, Jaguars uh, game or whatever. The, the that was a forward pass. I don't know how they thought that that was a fumble forward because the guy propelled the ball forward with his hand, the quarterback, and somehow they, they ruled it a pick six, didn't even like give it much of a review. When I saw the instant replay of it, instantly I was like, oh, that's a pass. I can't believe that didn't get called back. Yeah, I'm surprised you're not bringing up anything that happened to the Raiders in the past like 15 years now. Oh, don't get me started about the Raiders. <laughs> it's called the Tuck Rule, uh, Paul. The yeah, Tuck yeah. Rule. Does that even exist anymore? Is that even a rule anymore? No, I'm, I'm not. No, a it's not. It's not. It, it was a made-up rule, and then they took it away. Ay, ay, ay. So fine, Paul. Let's focus on teams that are in the playoffs here. Thank you. Uh, so let's go into the teams here. Who are going to be the... You know, I guess the final four teams in the playoffs. I, I have to see the matchups once it's all completely done. But if, um, you know, assuming that we're getting what we're getting here, um, I think the NFC is pretty much set. So I can give you like a quick sort of um, like rundown of who I think. So let's say Vikings would play the Lions or Packers. It, basically, if it's the Packers, I would think the Packers would beat the Vikings. If it's the Lions or Seahawks, I think the Vikings are advancing. If it's uh, 49ers, Giants, I got 49ers. Buccaneers, Cowboys, it's in Tampa. So it's, as much as I want to say don't sleep on the Cowboys, it'd be hard to bet against a home Tampa with Tom Brady. You know, just based on history of the fact that Brady is usually successful in the playoffs and is, you know, cool as a cucumber under pressure, whereas the Cowboys have a target on their back by their fan base and the world to see them advance further than, you know, the first round. And so they choke a lot. They choke a lot. It's like, you know, become like the franchise norm going back to like the Tony Romo days. So I think in the NFC, expect, you know, Buccaneers to go far. Packers to go far if they qualify, maybe Vikings or Eagles. Um, you know, it should be something obvious, but at the same time, expect the unexpected. I, I would say I would rule out the Giants, Seahawks, and Lions completely in the in that regard. But you know, I've been wrong before. On the AFC side, and this could get interesting with the the neutral site game. You know, because of the 
Demar Hamlin injury, if the Bengals, um, I think it's like if the the Bengals meet the Chiefs, or if the you know Beng- if basically if the Bengals or Bills face a team that played all seventeen games, they're going to have to play it at a neutral state stadium. I think involving just those three teams because otherwise they'd have home field anyway over over the other teams. So that could be an interesting you know thing if that comes into play. And I think when you when you consider those three teams, okay, so would the Chiefs have any sort of home field advantage if they played at Las Vegas because the Chiefs have visited that stadium twice since it's opened, actually three times now since it's opened, and played as recently as yesterday? Do you think that that's an unfair advantage or no? I mean, you actually bring up a very interesting question there, Paul, because I don't know how many other teams have played there. And I mean, everything's different, but you, the Chiefs, I would say, have the most experience. But you know, opposing the three games, you know, in what it's been two years since that stadium. Uh, yeah, t- this is the third season that it's been around. Yeah. As opposed to playing, you know, one stadium for what eight nine games a week now. Or, yeah, uh, the yeah. Uh, the season. I should yeah, say. yeah. I mean, I, maybe slightly, but I don't think it's that big of an unfair advantage. That's I, just me. I'm wondering if the NFL is considering that, though, that if the, you know, like, I'm sure they're going to name the site shortly here because they got to give that stadium time to prepare. Bring for, it to Soldier Field. Oh, gosh. Um, I, they haven't even said where it would be, but I've seen Las Vegas floated. I've seen uh, Los Angeles floated. Odds are it would probably be Los Angeles just because SoFi Stadium is just so state-of-the-art. And then, you know, the Rams and the Chargers wouldn't be hosting a game this season. So, you know, Rams didn't even qualify. So I think L.A. is probably the odds-on favorite to me. But for some reason, I think it's going to be Las Vegas just because I think the NFL might want to see, you know, in a short time, can they prepare? Because I, I think as far as the future of the NFL goes, with the Super Bowl being next year in Las Vegas, and, and with this being a new market, new venue, I think they, and, and the fact that it's such a tourist city and, and very tourist friendly to bring in, you know, two fan bases, that's where I would say, like, you know, don't be surprised if it is in Las Vegas. Part of me thinks it's going to be there, but for right now, I would say the favorite is Los Angeles, just because that's just like a, you know, it's in a second largest market. It's already hosted a Super Bowl before. It's, you know, a major city. It's, you know, I I don't know. How does this make you feel, Paul, if there's a playoff game in Las Vegas before the Raiders make a playoff game? That was probably going to happen anyway. <laughs> Unless they get suddenly really good next year with a brand new quarterback. Yeah, I mean, last year was their shot. They missed it. This year should have been their shot. They blew it. I can't imagine the Raiders getting that much better in one year, but stranger things have happened. The Giants are in the playoffs. And I don't think they have any business being there, but that's just me. That no, well, that's what happens when you have half the league in the playoffs. Yeah, very much so as we're learning. So maybe the Raiders will make it next year. Who friggin' knows? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I'm not holding my breath, but who knows? There's there We have a year to talk about this, but yeah. uh, we should probably wrap it up. Any final thoughts on the playoffs? Um... Let's go, Bills. Pray for DeMar Hamlin. All right. I love it. 
That'll do it for this week's edition of the Sports Cubicle. For Devin Tingle, for Mike Mercado, for Dan Marver, I'm Paul Shavari. You're listening to the Sports Cubicle. You can follow us on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. We are on WCPT 820 where facts matter. Santita starts your week tomorrow at 6 a.m. 